Welcome to Dear 20-something. I'm Erica, the host of this podcast, and I'm so excited to have you here. A bit about me, I'm a 20-something social entrepreneur and investor who is navigating the ups and downs of being in my 20s. The Dear 20-something podcast started because we wanted to create a space for ambitious and curious 20-somethings to connect with the successful changemakers they most look up to. While the 20s can be a time full of questions and doubts, we're here to humanize the whole thing. You'll hear from successful trailblazers who will share the highs and lows of their 20s, and you'll also get words of wisdom from some experts who will speak on a certain topic relevant for 20-somethings. And then sometimes it'll just be me, on the mic, hosting an episode where I share recent reflection or story from my own life, as I too am navigating this wild decade. We're so happy to have you here. Let's get started. Today on the show, I am so excited to be chatting with Jessica Zweig. Jessica is the CEO of the Simply Be Agency, an internationally award-winning personal branding firm with offices in Chicago and Nashville, serving clients across the globe. She is the author of number one best-selling book, Be, a no-bullshit guide to increasing your self-worth and net worth by simply being yourself, published by Sounds True. Jessica was named a personal branding expert by Forbes, 2020's Most Notable Entrepreneur by Cranes, the 2018 and 2019 Stevie Award winner for Female Entrepreneur of the Year, and a top digital marketer to watch by Inc. The Simply Be Agency helps its clients ranging from corporate executives to entrepreneurs and creatives in becoming recognized industry experts and thought leaders. Jessica facilitates sold out workshops and global masterminds, speaking on the power of personal branding to corporations like Google, Verizon, Salesforce, Pinterest, Red Bull, Chicago Tribune, Fidelity, and more. Her work has been featured in the Washington Post, Business Insider, Thrive Global, among many, many others. And she's a regular correspondent on Fox, ABC, NBC, and WCIU networks as a personal branding and social media expert. She also hosts the top branding podcast, which I highly, highly recommend, called the Simply Be Podcast, where she interviews today's top entrepreneurs, CEOs, influencers, thought leaders, and authors on how to build your brand and live your best, most authentic life. On a mission to debunk the perception that personal branding is an act of vanity, Jessica believes that when done right, personal branding is an act of service, a social responsibility, and a positive investment toward a positive future. I can't wait to chat with her and share her story with you now on our personal branding explained episode on Dear 20-something. Please welcome Jessica Zweig. Hi there. So good to be with you today. Oh, so good to be with you too. I am really excited about this episode. When I actually created the format for this next phase of the show, we added this explained idea. And one of the first ones I had in mind was like, I have to get Jessica on to talk about personal branding. I was like, if there is any expert that needs to talk to 20-somethings, it is you and it is on personal branding. So I give you permission to take some credit for this explained segment that we do with a lot of guests. So thank you. Thank you, Erica. That's so kind. I got your email. I get a lot of, you know, we all get a lot of emails. And I, I was like, yeah, something about you and your vibe and your community. I was full body yes. And I'm just really grateful for the chance to, to speak to you and your, your tribe today. Well, I'm so excited to chat. Before we get into all the the meat of it, I do like to start the show with a bit of a fun question. And it's a Friday, you know, we got to have fun on Friday. So what is something new that you learned in this past week? It could be like a book you're reading. It could be a conversation you had, but something new from the past week. Okay, well, this is what just came to me. So I'm just going to go with it. If you follow me, I think you probably already know I'm like super woo and into all the spiritual magic of our universe. And I was listening to a podcast 
And I'm going to Egypt in November to like do a pilgrimage to the Great Pyramids. And I'm really excited about this. So I was listening to a podcast kind of about the Great Pyramids in Egypt. And they were talking about sacred geometry and the longitude, latitude, location of pyramids in Egypt, like the actual location of them. I forget the exact number, but it is the exact same number as the speed of light. And it's like all of the sacred geometry and math that sort of lines up to the height of the sun, the quantum dimension of darkness versus light. Like it all has through lines and is not accidentally the same. It's like part of the cosmic kind of question. So anyway, so I learned some really wiggy math this week about the consistencies of the beginning of our time and the universe. And it just made me feel affirmed in a lot of things that I believe. So I learned that. Isn't that cool? That's really cool. There's also, I know there's something with the pyramids that like the height of them is like the same height as something else. Like it's a lot of this stuff, these ancient structures that somehow were like impossible to build. And you see like Stonehenge and some of these crazy things. And it's like, we don't know how they were created because it was just, it's an impossible human feat to do it yourself. And so it's, it's pretty wild to imagine these things getting constructed so long ago and that, that they knew, like you said, the sacred geometry, like it's kind of mind blowing. It, it can, you can get a little bit in your head about it if you really think too long about it, because it's hard to imagine that when we didn't have like pen and paper, people knew how to do all this. Well, that's because people didn't do it. Aliens did. <laughs> so that's my belief. <laughs> like that's the truth so that's a whole other conversation though erica so yeah i was gonna say that's a whole other one <laughs> we get into aliens i was like this is about personal branding but yeah no it's very cool and i i will say like following you on social media you do have such like a calming spiritual force and it really it's it's a very subtle way of kind of teaching people about things that maybe they otherwise wouldn't be exposed to so i do appreciate that and i have noticed and it's great i received that thank you thank you very much of course Okay, great. So let's get into it. Obviously, the show is about people in their 20s. And we talk to experts like yourself about your journey in your 20s, which I know you're very open and honest about. And then we also want to get into like your advice for people that are maybe struggling and know they maybe should have a personal brand or what that looks like. And and so we'll get into that. So to start, I'd love to hear maybe what you wanted to be when you grew up, and then we can get into, yeah, where you went to school. So could you tell me a little bit about that, what your thoughts were as when you were younger, and then where you ultimately went to college? Sure. So I was like a lot of young little girls wanted to do a lot of things. I wanted to be a veterinarian or a marine biologist. I loved the animals. I loved swimming with the dolphins. Like that was my dream. But then I, I figured out really quickly that I, I wasn't so strong in math and science, but, but I was really strong in like literature and history and art and writing and creative, sort of the creative side. And so I went into the theater department in high school and I really excelled in that world. I became a thespian quite, quite literally and did all the plays and got all the leads. And it was, it was a really affirming passion, you know, point in my young adult life. And then I actually ended up going to school for theater. I I graduated with my BFA in acting from the University of Illinois in Champaign. So go big 10. And I, you know, had to audition to get into that program. It was a very competitive conservatory program, which most people wouldn't know that a big 10 university has that you know, niche of, of an acting department. And I ended up graduating in a class of seven people. It was a really tight program. And I got my ass kicked in training, right? I went through all the dialects and learned how to sword fight and learned how to do classic versus modern. I, I, I 
played all sorts of roles. But what I really truly gained from that experience was learning how to be my own product, right? Like to market myself, to hustle, to communicate and articulate, to put myself out there, to not be afraid of rejection, to sell myself. And so all of those tools, when I graduated college, I did the acting beat for about five years and I got a ton of work and I got an agent and I did commercials and TV and voiceovers and plays and really did a lot of waitressing and cocktailing and, you know, nannying and side job temping along the way. But what I didn't realize I was gaining was the skill set to truly become an entrepreneur and to really be my own business and not just be, I often say that living the life of a creative, living the life of an actress, frankly, is incredible. And it's a worthy journey. But at the end of the day, you really don't have a lot of control over your own destiny. You are, what I like to say, an instrument in someone else's symphony. And I really wanted to be the conductor of the whole freaking thing called my life. And so that's really when I made the transition into entrepreneurship. When I was about 26 years old, I started my very first business that was an online magazine for women. It was around today. Your audience would have freaking loved it. It was a girl's guide to the city of Chicago. We talked about all the things girls want to know about restaurants, boys, nightlife, fashion, fitness, beauty, health and wellness, the whole jam. And really made a lot of my mistakes running that business since it was my first company that has led me to where I am today in a large way, whether it was in the trade and craft of marketing, branding, social media, and all the things I learned running that magazine, how I apply it now to my clients, but also just being a leader and knowing how to show up like a boss and you know run an actual profitable, successful, well-managed business. It's a whole different skill set and life life skill really. And so that's the hybrid of my my journey. But my twenties, you know, I and I graduated college, I I didn't really have a lot figured out. And and honestly back to why I was so drawn to your podcast was because I feel so passionate about talking to younger women about what I wish I would have known back then. So just really just really happy to be here again. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's really cool to get that overview. I know that the acting thing was really like your first life and your first love. And it's very, very hard to get into those programs. Like seven people, unbelievable. Was there like a role or a play or a musical that you absolutely loved that made you fall in love with it and think I want to do this for my career? Because I think a lot of people are very creative. Like I know people that are dancers and they're amazing actresses and some people that are very athletic, but to want to pursue that full time, was there like a moment or was there a show that you did that really made you fall in love with acting? Yes. I love this question. I haven't been asked this question. I haven't thought about this in a while. So when I was a senior in high school, I got cast as Annie Sullivan in Miracle Worker, which is the story of Helen Keller's life. And I had to learn an Irish accent. I was a blonde at the time. I dyed my hair red. She was an Irish character. And we were in the middle of rehearsals week before opening. And I was teaching Helen Keller, my co-actress, this girl named Lauren Schrero. Shout out to Lauren, who was a freshman and I was a senior. And her and I had this beautiful chemistry. And I was teaching her how to say water in sign language on my hand. And because she couldn't connect. It was this true story of Helen Keller, right? She was blind and deaf. And it was Annie Sullivan who was the teacher for the rest of her life who connected her to the world through sign language and touch and all of the other senses. 
And anyway, I'm in this scene, right, where we're in this moment where I, I'm teaching her, this is water, sticking her hand in the water and spelling water then on her hand. She connects, she gets it. And it's like the end of this, the act. You know, it's a, just this crazy, magical, profound moment in the play. And it was one of the first, it was the first time, it was actually the very first time I had completely lost myself in my own reality and was in another reality where I had completely embodied this character and everything in the room faded. There was no lights. There was no tech director. There was no stage manager. There was no director. There were no other cast members watching the two of us on stage. It was just me and her in this reality. And they call that a flow state, right? Or something like that. And I remember it was that moment where I said to myself, I want to go to college for this. I want this to be my life. I want to, that I found my calling. And here I am as an entrepreneur in a very different, very different life. But I, I've experienced flow states in my entrepreneurial career. And I think that was, that's always sort of been the, the thing we chase is to lose ourselves so deeply in our passions that it, that we forget time. We forget our stress. We forget our own reality because we're so in the moment and that's pretty magical. So yes, that was, thank you for letting me tell that story. That was literally it. That was like the switch of, I'm going to go to college and study this and make this my career at that moment. That's so beautiful. And I think that like, because you had that moment, a lot of other people don't, and they let that dream go. And so for you to be so committed to it for five years in your twenties, I mean, we have listeners that are 21 and wanting to just go all in. And I know it's because they have a moment like that. So hearing you describe it is really helpful. I also think I'm, as you're talking, like, you know, you shared this woman, Annie's story through yourself and through vulnerability. And like, it remind it kind of reminds me of what you do now with people. You help them tell their stories in a very vulnerable, authentic way. So while you may not see the parallels exactly the same, like, I think that even just knowing that then that that meant so much to you that you like helped someone see and be part of the world in the way that they weren't before is a lot of what the work you do now. So it makes a lot of sense that that was like the moment at hearing you talk about, it, I was like, yeah, that would be something I feel like that would move you. So, okay. So you're pursuing the acting thing. You're doing the odd jobs. And then you decide you're going to start Cheeky Chicago, which you hinted at. I do have many girlfriends in Chicago who do listen to the show. I know they're very upset and probably probably would love to hear if there's like a new version of it. But yeah, tell me what was that moment you went from pursuing the acting thing to I'm going to start my own entrepreneurial journey? You know, like what was that pivotal moment? Because obviously it's a big shift. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. So that was, again, another huge pivot point and moment in my life. So I graduated college. I was acting. I was doing the side jobs, hustling at additions. And I, one of those side jobs was a day job at a gym because I was so poor. I couldn't afford a membership to a gym. So I decided I'd get like a one day a week desk job, right? The gym, a lot of people I know have done that. And at that gym, at that job, I met a girl and we became friends. And over the course of a few months, we really bonded. We became fast friends. And our mutual connection point was our passion, honestly, for food and going out and trying new restaurants and eating and, you know, going to events and bars and, you know, just being two young girls in our twenties. And every time we would try a new place or make a new date, I should say, we'd go on the internet to find a new place to try. And we just kind of, kind of, 
kept coming up blank of where to go. Like there was no resource that we felt really spoke to us. So we decided one day in a flash, we were chit chatting about a restaurant she'd gone to without me on a Monday. I'll never forget this over the weekend. And she was talking and I'm like, we talk about food and love food and describe the experience of food the same exact way. We should start a food blog. And this was really, this was in 2008. This was like before it all. We were, there was no such thing as a real food blog, fashion blog. Instagram wasn't even around. And we, it was literally like a lightning struck both of our brains at the same time. And we went to her apartment the next day and spent six hours fleshing out the brand, the concept, the idea. It's what was to become Cheeky Chicago. And it was, we were like, we don't just want to stop at food. We love everything. We love to dance. We love to work out. We love to shop. We love to date. We love being girlfriends. We love the city. Let's create an online magazine instead of a food blog and cover it all. And so we, when we got that clarity, it was lightning in a bottle for sure. I never looked back on acting. I was so, honestly, towards that end of five-year period of me hustling it out as additions and getting rejected and never and scraping for scraps week to week financially. I was like, I'm going to start a business instead. Like, this is my path. This is my real calling to be what I didn't even know was, it was the first time I'd ever heard the word entrepreneur when someone called me that when I was presenting my idea to people, I, we started to raise money. We actually went after a small C Brown to begin the business. We raised a quarter of a million dollars. We were two girls with no business background. Like I said, I was an acting background. She had her degree in theater as well. And a little bit of PR. She was 24. I was 26. We were kids and we raised the money and we were able to quit our day jobs. And for me at the acting world, and I never looked back. And I remember going to my friends, my family and saying, I'm going to start a website. I'm going to start a business. And they all looked at me like I was insane. They didn't get at all what I was talking about. Like, what do you know about the internet? You know, like you're, you're an actress. And I didn't let any of that stop me. And I felt so laser focused. You have to believe in yourself so freaking hard to the point where other people feel that sense of conviction and they'll believe in you too. And that's really kind of the secret sauce to starting anything like a dream. You have to have full body commitment, not an inkling of self-doubt around it. Just the passion is felt. And that's what really started to open up doors. That's how we raised a quarter of a million dollars from a bunch of people we didn't really know that well because they believed in us because we believed in ourselves so freaking hard. They felt that so much they wrote us checks, right? So that's how it all happened. And it was quite fast. From the day we created the idea, Cheeky, to the day the site went live was nine months. Unbelievable. Yeah, it was fast. Yeah. I mean, you say, you you know, you were so young and why'd they give us money? But like, you could argue that, you know, you were the exact person that knew what was happening in Chicago. You had the pulse. A lot of the people writing the checks were like, I don't know what's cool, but they seem to. Quick aside, I'm sure you've connected with Scout Sobel's little sister, Maddie. But as you're talking, I'm like, Maddie is building the LA version of what you did with Cheeky Chicago. So it's just fun to hear this idea that like you were the person that knew all the Chicago wrecks and Maddie's the one building all the LA wrecks. So I just wanted to throw that out there as you're talking. I'm like, oh, you're like, that's like the young Maddie. She's an entrepreneur and she's building. So it's just fun to hear the uh, similarities. But okay, so you, you do Cheeky Chicago. You do that for several years. You make a lot of business mistakes, but you also have a lot of business wins. 
And then it's time to start the Simply Be Agency, which is now your pride and joy. It's what you're known for. It's all the personal branding stuff we brought you on here today to talk about. So give me the lowdown on the Simply Be Agency, the moment you decided to start that after Cheeky Chicago. And then, yeah, we'll get into the meat of all your thoughts, all your brilliant personal branding thoughts. So I was also learning how to run a business, right? That was also my real life MBA, like school of hard knocks, failing as a leader, not knowing how to manage, not knowing how to crunch a P&L. And we were just in a, a tough spot as a business. And oh, by the way, this is you know relevant part of the story that I share pretty openly, is that I had a really toxic relationship with my business partner, like our relationship, that fast friend I met, you know, we were definitely destined to, met, to meet and we have past lives, I'm sure. And and we taught each other, at least she taught me great lessons, you know, that I hold with a lot of gratitude today. But we were young when we started the business. We didn't really have the tools to learn how to effectively manage our relationship and communicate like, you know, with consciousness, frankly. So seven years, I was done. We tried to scale it. We tried to expand it. We, we had many opportunities to, in fact, nothing felt right. And I had somewhat of an expiration date. And I ended up making a very hard decision to walk away from it. And it wasn't an easy decision. It took me like over a year and a half to actually do between the time I got the little seedling of the thought of leaving to like actually leaving. It was like a year and a half. So when I finally left, you know, I was, I was really, really burnt out running a magazine, hustling for advertising and sponsorships, not getting along with a partner serious amount of financial scarcity. I just wanted to keep it simple and eat what I killed and start to help other businesses with what I knew, AKA consulting. And I had started to get inquiries towards that like six, seven year and cheeky brands were coming to me anyway. It was sort of what really opened the door in my mind that I could do something else. That people were coming to me unsolicited, wanting me to help them do for them what I had done for cheeky. And I was like, oh, this is called consulting. Like I can get paid for my time to do this. This is a business here. So I left Cheeky, made the announcement after doing a lot of spiritual journeying and working with a life coach. And I'll never forget it. I had all my angel cards and my crystals and, you know, my incense and candles. And I like wrote this long email to my whole network, BCC, about a hundred people announcing I was leaving Cheeky, hit send, announcing I was leaving Cheeky to start simply be agency, which was my one woman little consultancy that I decided to name after the tattoo on my wrist, right? Simply be. And I sent an email to a hundred plus people. And I would say 20, 30 people wrote me back saying, I want to, I want to learn more about your business. Like, can, can I hire you? I mean, it was crazy. And I amassed $25,000 worth of client revenue in the week in like that one moment. And that, and I was, that was more money than I had ever seen in my life at that point. And I, it wasn't even about the money. It was like, people really believe in my ability to help them. And that's not something I even knew I architected. And that was when I was like, oh, I have a brand. Like Jessica's Weig's reputation in the market is actually more valuable than the magazine's brand. Like I thought it was, I thought the Magazine was the brand and I just happened to be the founder, but I had started my own social media accounts during those years. I was out sitting on panels during those years. I was in the media and on TV talking about social media and marketing as 
the expert, even though I was talking about it as founder of Jiki, but it was me. And I was able to leverage all of that to start a new business without even really ever, ever making a sales phone call. Like all the business just came. And so that really sent me on this path of personal branding and my passion for it. Because I didn't even realize I had done this for myself. So it's like, what if I got really intentional? And what if I poured everything into my personal brand platform? What would happen then? How could 25,000 then become a million, you know, or 4 million, which is, you know, where we're at today. And it's like creating this as a service for other people was really where I was called because I had learned the best of the best on marketing and branding and social from brands like Nike and Chanel and Bloomingdale's. And like I said, and I'm like, how do I take that secret sauce of what I learned and know there and apply it to people, allow people to get online and be effective in a mass audience and cut through the noise and create evangelists and, and do that through the power of content and social media messaging and PR. And so that's how the agency of Simply Be formed. And the consulting was too much for me to just handle all the business by myself. So I hired an assistant. Well, that assistant now is my VP of marketing. And I had, you know, two or three freelancers in the beginning. And then I had five full-time people by year one and seven full-time people by year two or three. And now we're close to 30 people full-time. And I started as a solopreneur with nothing, like nothing, like no product, no strategy, no website, seriously, an email that I sent to my network. It just snowballed into a business beyond my wildest imagination. And so kind of coming full circle to why I'm, I'm here today is to really help your audience and, and allow your audience to understand the power of their own personal brand. I'm clearly biased, but I believe that it is the most powerful tool you can have in your career, regardless of what you do. Your name is your biggest asset to utilize, to leverage for whatever opportunity you want. So that's why I do it. I do and Simply the Agency is now a full service personal branding firm. Unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. I mean, I can just completely vouch for what you're saying. And I think anyone that reads your book, we should just do a quick shout out for your book and then we'll get into like the all the content. But like if you guys want to actually completely revamp and rethink about your personal brand, you have to get her book B. It's all this stuff, her story, amazing like exercises and the whole thing in the book. So we're just going to throw that plug in now so that people can get that book and actually implement a lot of what you're saying. But I want to get into like your thoughts on personal branding because I think they're really unique. And one thing that you've talked about over and over again that really stood out to me, it's a quote that I actually still think about all the time, is how authenticity is the root of everything and the root of virality and the root of authenticity is vulnerability. And I remember I read that when I, in your book and I underlined it and I said, shit, I have to be vulnerable. And it was when I was, I think of myself as someone who is a little bit more private, a little bit more guarded. When I started doing the podcast, I just very much made it about, you know, Jessica, tell me your story. And I felt like I didn't want to say too much. And I felt like on social media, I didn't want to be too public or anything. But reading that, it made me see that people don't connect with a fake, superficial, not deep, not authentic person. And you have to be, be vulnerable. And so I thought that was just the most powerful line in the book. And so on that note, I'd love to hear from you, like, 
what do you think is the most powerful element of a personal brand? I know there's all these different pieces people can put together. From what I picked up, I do think being authentic is the thing that I got from that. And the way to be authentic is to be vulnerable. But I'd love to hear like in your own words, what is the definition of a good personal brand? And like, what are those key elements you have to have? So good. So yes, authenticity is the name of the game. And that is the core message of my entire book and all of the work that we do at the agency. But just to crack that down, what makes a personal brand, a great personal brand is, is the question, right? And I want to answer that. And so there's two things I want you to, your audience to remember. So branding, I say this all the time, I'm a broken record. Branding is an exercise in clarity. Okay? Think about the brands that you love and see in the world. They pop, that you know what they are. You get the sense of who they're for. There's an energy and emotional reaction within 15 seconds or less. Like the brands that really crush it with clarity were like Glossier, Create Cultivate, Chanel. Like we know what a brand, who it's for, how it feels, how we, we feel engaging with that brand, right? Immediately. And the only way we achieve that is if we are clear in that brand's message and positioning. The other side of that, however, is we're talking about personal brands and personal people are not meant to be understood within 15 seconds or less. We're, we're complicated and nuanced and ever evolving and emotional and deep. And so I've created an approach within my book and my trademark formulas of achieving that clarity and that depth within a message within 15 seconds less than as a person. And vulnerability is, yes, key to creating that depth. But I, I would say the headline of it all is architecting a message that's of service. So if you're going to be vulnerable, if you're going to talk about your journey with self-love, for example, make sure that you're messaging that for the people who are going to be consuming your brand and how you can teach them self-love by being self-love or showing the ways of how you've discovered self-love so that they're gaining something from them for themselves by connecting with your brand. It's not about you, it's about them. So authenticity and vulnerability must be in there. You have to define what specific aspects of your vulnerability you want to share because you can't share it all. I often say it's in my framework. You want to choose like four things, four content pillars, four brand pillars that demonstrate your expertise, your professional value. Ideally, we're creating brands in the world that help us with our, our businesses, our careers, but allow us to connect with our right opportunities and our right clients and our right community based on who we are being, who we truly are, right? And what really matters to us and what lights us on fire. And so we distill that down into what we call the hologram, personal brand hologram, which is comprised of these four pillars. And you only get four for a reason, because we want to create that clarity, but we also want to achieve that depth. And that's why four is that sweet spot that we have found accomplishes both, but ensuring that the message you're providing is really of service. It's, it's clear that you want to help your community, inspire your community, activate, educate your client, whoever it might be, and adding value into the conversation every time you post content. So that's the sort of high level lesson I would implore your audience to really think about and definitely get my book. It will help you immensely. It's, you know, $25 on Amazon and it's got tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of value in it. I literally made the decision writing the book to be overly generous and to kind of give it away. And 
you know, people like you have gotten a lot out of it. And so I think if you can follow those, those principles of clarity and authenticity and transparency, vulnerability, but in service for others, you're checking the box and doing it well. Yeah. You're so right about the service point. Now that you're saying it, I'm like, oh yeah, that was a lot of what she talked about. And it's so good to hear it in your own words. I think, I think, yeah, I really do also just encourage people to do the, get the book and work through it slowly too. Cause a lot of these things take time to really think about and marinate on. Like I let myself not rush through it when I went through it. One other question I have for you is just, I've got a lot of friends who are, and listeners who I know aren't in the business world they don't maybe necessarily see the point of a personal brand. So let's think of like a doctor. If someone's a 20 something is in medical school and they care a lot about women's health and they care a lot, they have their, their passions, but they don't maybe necessarily see the point of a personal brand. What's your advice to someone like that? That maybe isn't in the very, like I'm, and you are in the entrepreneur, investor, like kind of public facing world. But for someone that's a 20 something that maybe loves being a teacher or loves being a doctor, like what is your advice for someone like that? Do you think that a personal brand is still important? Yes, I do. I'm very biased, obviously. Here's the thing. There's such a misconception. And I talk about this in my book too. The personal branding is, is all about image and ego and being seen and, and being famous and known and online, mainly on social media. And sure, that's, that is some of it. And there are a lot of people out there, unfortunately, who, who only focus on that and it gives it kind of a bad rap. But every single doctor, teacher, I would imagine they're talk about servant leaders in the world, right? Doctors want to help more patients heal. Teachers want to connect with the future generation of, of leaders and teach them everything they need to know. Every doctor is going to want to get the right clients work for the right hospitals, right? And it's less about how we show up online and produce perfect Instagram reels. It's about reputation. It's about knowing your narrative. It's about living your narrative. It's about creating a, an impression and a memorable story of yourself wherever you go. And I actually have a chapter or a whole section in my book is that you don't ever have to get online and you still have a personal brand because you interface with people. And this work is really self-reflective. It's about going inside and doing this inner work before you ever even put anything out into the universe to be seen. And when I say that knowing your personal brand is knowing your value, it's knowing your worth, it's knowing your how to articulate your story in a clear way. And that matters to a doctor when they're walking in and meeting a patient for the first time. That matters when a doctor is trying to, I don't know, get a new job at a different hospital. That matters to a teacher who's trying to get a promotion within the school to sit on the administrative board versus the classroom. It's your reputation. It's your asset. And so you don't have to do all of the social media content creation, video production, podcast production strategies to have a personal brand. You already have a personal brand. And this work is an act of empowerment and self-awareness as much as it is marketing. And so I believe that, yes, everyone from any industry is going to benefit from knowing their brand. And at the end of the day, sorry, I can keep going. It's sort of the expectation, right? Like you as a, you know, if you're going to be a leader in a hospital or a leader in a school, your greater staff, your patients, your clients, your students are going to expect you to have a purpose, a vision, an eminence, and a deeper why so that they can trust you right? To be their leader, to listen to you. That is 
cultural across all organizations, corporate, philanthropic, otherwise, small to large. So if you're creating a, a space where you want to be seen as, you know, someone to trust and follow and know, a personal brand is the way you do it. It's the way you achieve that. It's just such an important distinction. And I'm so glad you clarified too. It's your offline personal brand is a lot of what this work is. And even if you're meeting friends, new people for the first time, they say, what's your story? What do you do? That's where this comes into. It's not even just professional. And I think that's also such an important point that people don't always get. Well, I could keep talking to you for a very long time. I do have one final question before we wrap. We ask all our guests this, and you've obviously shared lots of gems for 20-somethings in this show, but we do ask if there's just one piece of advice that you would give to every 20 something separate from buying your book and clarifying their personal brand, which I am saying is my advice. What is your advice separate from that for every 20 something? Okay. It's not going to be what you expect, but I love giving those pieces of advice. Don't worry about finding a boyfriend so much. Honestly, we spend, and if you already have a boyfriend and you know, he's the one rock on, but I do think that every girl in her twenties, should spend at least a year being single. Fall in love with yourself. Date yourself. Learn to love and cherish yourself without the validation of someone else loving you. That will be the most invaluable, empowering, blissfully free, more than you realize you will see it in hindsight, chapter of your 20s. If you can give yourself the gift of not stressing out about, because here's the thing, ladies, if you want a man to put a ring on it and take you off into the sunset, that will happen. If you really, really want that, it will happen eventually. So don't burn your energy focusing on some mystery guy. Focus on what's right in front of you, the most beautiful, lovable person in your life right now. And that's the girl in the mirror. And if I would have enjoyed that and cherished that more and had more fun with it, and you know what I did? I was single for about two or three years at the end of my 20s in between my former long-term boyfriend and my now husband. And if I would have just trusted that he was coming and I got I got this like freedom and like less responsibility than I than I have now, like do the work on you. Like that's more important was really my point is like don't hide from yourself and focus on pouring into yourself through only the space of being single will, will actually allow you to do. That's where you find your girlfriends, your tribe, your career, your connection to yourself, your truth, your standards, your values, all of it. And it, it can't come if you're jumping from one relationship to the next and never giving yourself that space. So that is my advice to 20-somethings. I don't know if it applies to everyone listening, but I'm sure some. And that's uh, the best advice I, I could possibly get. I love that. So real. It resonates with me. I'm in a similar boat. I'm just so in love with myself and focusing on me and more to the people that have found their person. But I think you're so right in here and you say that really resonates. So thank you for reaffirming that. Really great advice. Well, this was so special for me. Can you just let everyone know where they can follow you on social? It's pretty obvious if you type in the things, but uh, let them know. And then also where you prefer they get the book, which is the right channel, which website? Totally. So uh, you can find me at Jessica's on Instagram. It's just my full name. You can go to my personal website, jessicaswag.com to connect with me on my book and my retreats and all the things I do. You can also go to simplytheagency.com to learn more about our programs, our courses, and then buy the book anywhere books are found. Obviously support your local bookstore, 
But Amazon, if you were to buy the book on Amazon, the best thing you can do is leave a review. So I cannot stress that enough. So if you purchase it on Amazon, I'm really striving to hit like a thousand reviews in the next year. Like it's a, it's a stretch goal, but they say that books that have a thousand reviews or more on Amazon sell in perpetuity. Like you don't need to even market them. So in order to help get the book out there to more and more people buy the book on Amazon, leave that review. That would be everything to me. Okay. I have a suggestion. Get one book at your local bookstore, one book on Amazon, gift one of them, and then do one for yourself. I think that's our advice. Okay. Jessica, this has been so fun. Thank you for chatting and giving all your words of wisdom. So grateful to you that you kind of took all your brain and put it in a book so that everyone can benefit in perpetuity as well. So have an awesome day. Thanks for being on. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Dear 20-something. If you enjoyed it, you can give us a follow over at Dear 20-something on Instagram or subscribe here or anywhere you get podcasts.